there, and welcome to Wilmington Writes, a WCTV podcast for Wilmington writers. On each episode, we feature a Wilmington writer who will read their work or an excerpt thereof and tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the selection they share. Let's listen in and see who's in the guest writer's chair today. Well, hello, friends. I just love that snappy little open. I really do, even though it's me doing it. I still love it. So today, this is episode four of Wilmington Writes, and I have Amber Kovach. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. With me today. She is, what would you say, a, a women's fiction writer? That's the easiest place yeah. to, to categorize me. But we don't want to lump you, like, you know, smush you into that. You're, you're broader based than yes. that, I'm sure. But women's issues is, is what you tend to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Women's issues are everyone's issues, I suppose, but I get what you're saying. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, so my name, my full name is Amber Kovach Talbot. I write under my maiden name, which is Amber Kovach, uh, not the most creative pen name in the world, but I'm a Wilmington resident. I've been here um, about 10 years now. Uh, I am also an attorney. I have an office in North Andover. I just opened my own office. Congratulations. Thank you. I opened it in March. And wow. I, I do all the ugly laws, how I generally categorize myself. Well, you know, the stuff when people are in peril, that's when they really need you, right? Yeah, they I come do. to save the day. That's yeah. you. Divorce, child custody, things like that. Like okay, People cool. generally don't visit me when they're having a great day. We'll just I get it. it. Well, you make yep. it a better day, probably. I so... Do you find writing then for yourself as an outlet to kind of escape from the heaviness that is the work that you do? Oh, definitely. My writing has always been an outlet for me. And it's a way to, you know, I don't get to be creative a lot and, you know, creative and problem solving, but it's my creative outlet. And it has been ever since I was a little kid. So I've always really enjoyed it. Most of the writers we've had so far have written for a really long time. Um, What made you decide to kind of attempt to publish and sort of maybe expand your writing? I mean, I've started writing, I think, when I was probably even younger than I can remember, but 13 or so, you know, when you're in that angsty poetry writing, darkish phase of your life in your teens and that's kind of when I really started writing but I think my mind was always geared towards that so when did you really begin writing and have you always been doing it I've always been doing it the earliest I remember is when I was seven or eight I would make up these stories in my head and I'd handwrite them and then for Christmas one year my mom bought me and this is going to age me but she bought me a typewriter sure and one of those old school at first it wasn't electric and then the next year I got an electric and she said in retrospect, she's like, I would hear that click, clack, click, clack all day and all night long. Wow. And she said at sometimes she'd find herself getting frustrated with the clickety-clack. Right, right. But then she thought it was amazing that I had found something that I really loved. My brother was really into sports and things like that. And I think it's so important for everybody to find their passion in life. Yeah. And mine was writing. And as young as that, you know, when I was making up stories about having zits and oh, sure. being in I'm love. I'm thinking of Judy Bloom, you know, like all those Judy kinds Bloom of... Judy loved her. Yeah, good her. stuff. What is... Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Is yep. that one of her most famous ones? Now we're really aging ourselves here. For those of you who are listening who are younger, you certainly can Google this stuff and you will find it. So tell us what you're working on right now. So what I'm working on right now is November is actually National Novel Writing Month. Cool. So I brushed off a project from two years ago. Um... A lot of I'm working on a few different novels. A few of them have been tabled, but the one thing they all have in common is I'm a huge fan of Dateline, true crime podcasts, oh, wow. 
things like that. So the one thing that the novels have in common, even though they're standalone novels, is that one of the characters appears on an episode of Dateline in some way, shape, or I love form. it. I watch 48 Hours, yep. Forensic Files, all that stuff. And now with some of the newer, more, what would you call them, uh, specialty niche channels, you can watch that stuff. Oh, yeah. The truth. All day and true all crime night. podcasts in the car. Love when it. When you're driving around. Love it. So that's the one thing that ties them all together. So okay. the thing I'm working on now is it's a story of somebody who's getting released from prison after 20 years. And oh. in the novel, it's called Friday Night Crime is doing kind of a revisit of yeah. of a crime that happened 20 years ago because the person is getting released. Wow. So what's interesting to me hearing you say that is, so you're an attorney and you said you deal with family issues and things like that. And you said you use writing as an escape, but you're kind of working out some of your issues in the writing, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I'm always yeah. working out the issues in the I writing. I love it. I love it. Okay. Do you use any creative rituals? Do you have a special cup of tea? Do you have a special pen? You said as a kid you used a typewriter, a Selectric probably later on when we went to Electric and then prior to that the regular, I think they call them rotary typewriters mm-hmm. even. Um, so, you know, is there anything special you do to kind of put yourself in the mindset of now I'm going to focus on writing? No, you know what? And I have friends who do, who have mm. very specific places that they write and they go to a certain corner of their room. Me, I think with my schedule and mm. being so busy, if I find time and I'm inspired, I just sit down and do it. And that could be at the dining room table. That could be in the bedroom, just wherever. I, You know, it's the nice part about having laptops that you can bring around with you everywhere is I can just sit down and write. And I have a little notebook I carry with me in my purse. So if I think of something or a line or something, I write it down so I don't forget it. They say the same thing with comedy. Once you have one book full of little skits, you can move forward. So I think it's the same thing with a book. But, you know, I did hear you say you're working on several projects at once. You said you have like a bunch of novels. Yeah. How do you manage to do all that? I only work on one at a time. Okay. So my mind, I've got a bunch in my head and a few written down. Uh, The problem that I always run into is I haven't finished one. So Uh the goal is I need to get one done. And if you talk to writers and if you read, Stephen King's got a really great book on writing. And my cousin just published her first book. She's self-published. I'm so proud of her. Cool. Um. But they say you've got to just sit down and work every day. And that's yeah. something that's a continuous issue with me is yeah. you let life get in the way. Right. I think of a lot, anybody who's got a creative outlet or something like sure. that, you know, somebody who does art. So my goal is to really just set time aside for myself every day to really work on this and get a project completed and done. Okay. So in your mind, it almost doesn't matter kind of which of the projects you work on as long as you're writing every day. But your main goal is to finally finish something right yes not in a mean way just you want to and it's got to be hard because don't you feel like the characters like you're going to be saying goodbye to them yes yeah oh i've got some characters i feel that way attached to i i binge watch a lot of stuff i mean i I was anti-netflix when they first came out but i binge watch a lot of stuff and sometimes i feel like i take these people really into my heart and they really if the if the series is well done, they really live for me. I wonder, yeah. like, I'm driving around going, I wonder how that character... I know they're not real people, mm-hmm. but I do feel so... If it's well done enough, I do feel so encapsulated by them that I just... They, they are now with my life. So And that's really yeah, what I hope to write. How do you put to them write. to bed? I, I hope to write 
something that makes people feel things and feel that they're attached to the characters. Because my characters are all very flawed people. I write about very realistic people. So they're flawed, but they're people who you can see in your family that you work with that are your friends. And my hope in my writing is that I can make the reader feel attached to these people and really feel emotional about them. Mm. Even though they're by far not... Perfect. And they're not even all very good people at right. the end of the day. But, but who's very perfect, real. really? Right. Did, you know what? Just as an aside, this isn't on my list of questions for you, but um, did you find you write more? You wrote more during the pandemic or less? Um, less, actually. Really? I wrote a little less. And I think um, part of the pandemic, it was just hard to... When I get out of yeah. my routine, it puts me in a little bit of a funk. You know, yeah. when I get out of my work routine, being in a ho- at yeah. home all day was a little tough for me. So yeah. it didn't it I didn't get a lot done during that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to muster up the motivation. To, really, I felt that way, too, to, to kind of do anything. You just sort of were like, what do I do now? Regroup, you know. So I was just wondering if because I'll bet you there's somebody out there that's going to publish something in a couple of weeks that they wrote during the pandemic yeah, the entire time, time which time. I can't wait to see. I know. But whatever works, right? Whatever works. So if we want to read more of your illustrious work, how can we do that? Well, you know what? I will. And I'm working on getting a website put up. Okay. It'll be amberkovach.com. It's under construction. And right. it's A-M-B-E-R-K-O-V is in Victor, A-C-H.com. All right. And right now I don't have anything out there uh, to read, and that's one of my goals. But I hope to get that website up and running within the next okay. few months. And you guys know from listening to the other episodes, if you can't find her that way, you can always reach out to me here at WCTV, and I will uh, shoot Amber, an email, and we will mm-hmm. connect you. So, And you're also part of the Wilmington Writers Group, too. Yes, and I want to make a big plug yeah, for anybody that. who is interested. We have There are numerous writing groups for poetry. There's fiction. There's a writing skills group for people who want to um, just improve and work on their writing, and mm-hmm. that's run by Barbara Levres, who is amazing, and it's free to the public, and it's right. free to everybody. Right now we're meeting online. And that's foreseeable for at least the next few months. But that has been instrumental in helping me get refocused on my writing. Okay. And I can't talk about enough about what a fabulous group of people it is in my writer's group. I just, they're amazing people. How do you deal with criticism? You know, it's, you just Ba-dum-bum. know that it's here to help you. Oh, that's a good way to it's look at it. It's here to help you. All right. It makes you I'm going to embroider that in yeah. my spare time onto like a big, huge plaque because I know we're all sensitive, especially as creative types. You know, um, we of course, we want people to read our stuff because we wouldn't be doing it otherwise. You can't you know, you can write in a vacuum. But what's the point? But at the same time, it's got to be hard when somebody says whatever they say. I didn't like that or you should do this or you should do that. So I guess it's kind of a balancing act. It is, but I think it's important to listen to other people because at the end of the day, you really want your readers to enjoy and feel what you're reading. True. In your head, you think you're saying one thing and everybody in the group heard it another way. Mm. It's time to edit and think Mm. about what you put down. Interesting. I like your take on that. What are you going to share with us today? So today I'm going to share what I'm working on for NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. Um, The working title is Jeremy. It's not a great title, but it is the... What do you mean it's not a great title? (laughs) I don't know. There's a great Pearl Jam song with that name. I know. Come on. That's where I came up with the name. Did you really? 
Yep, I was what can I say? The, I was listening to the song on the radio. Monday. That's a pretty heavy song. It is. It, does uh, the main character have anything to do with that backstory? One of the main characters' name is Jeremy, yes. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, so without further ado, my new friend Amber Kovic is going to read, what is it titled that you're reading? Jeremy, just plain Jeremy. Just plain Jeremy. All right, here she is. All right. The prison guard recognized Sherry White's blue Toyota Corolla and waved her to the gate reserved for employees only. This particular guard had worked at the prison for 22 years, longer than Sherry had been coming to visit her son. He had been the supervisor in the visiting room on most Saturdays for the past five years or so. He had always been kind to Sherry and she to him. She knew his older daughter just got married and that his son was struggling being away from home his first year of college. The boy was a homebody and a bit socially awkward. Sherry could sympathize with that, having an awkward teenage son. Her own son was in prison by the time he was due to start his freshman year of college. Sherry could see the crowd gathered further down the road outside of the main entrance. Camera crews, prison groupies, journalists. She was thankful for the kindness of the prison staff for allowing her to avoid all of that. She hadn't hugged her son since he had pled guilty, his 18-year-old scrawny body trembling. I love you, Mom, he told her as though it caused him physical pain to say it. She tried so hard not to cry in front of him that day, but failed miserably. She was barely able to see him through her tears. She never forgot the feeling of the bailiff's hand on her shoulder. Ma'am, he said, you have to let him go. They will make me pull you away. Please, ma'am, you have to let him go. She only missed one one Saturday visit in 20 years, and that was when an 18-wheeler truck tipped over sideways on the road leading to the prison, and the road didn't open back up in time for visiting hours. Other than that one time, she was there every other Saturday, all 1,048 of them. The visits always ended up the same, with her putting her palm on the glass to meet his and Sherry saying in the Hail Mary. Before his release, the guard had called her with specific instructions. She was to pull up in front of the employee entrance and stay in the car until they let him out. They would need to be quick if they didn't want the press to catch on to where they were. The guard told her it would be best if she drove straight home and stayed in the house for a while. There would be no privacy from the press, at least for a few weeks. But she was taking her son home. That's all that mattered to her. She would never leave her house again if that's what she was told to do. And Jeremy had told her he was apprehensive about being in public, at least for now. It began to rain. She sat in the car listening to the pouring rain for seven minutes before the door opened and Jeremy came out. She had an umbrella in the back of the seat, but wasn't even thinking of it when she hopped out of the car. He seemed so much taller than she was now. She remembered a small, skinny, frightened, awkward teenager. Now she could feel his muscles wrapped around her. He was strong and muscular now. She tried not to look at the scar on his face or his disfigured ear. She just savored the moment and thanked God that she lived to see this day. She could live the rest of her life and never ask God for another thing because she had grant- he had granted her this moment. Oh, get in the car. You're soaking wet. I haven't been free in 20 years, Ma. I'm fine. He grabbed her hand and squeezed it so hard it would have hurt if it were any other situation. But let's get out of here. I want to go home. I made Grandma ziti and garlic bread. They got in the car. She reached over to help him with his seatbelt like she did when he was just a boy. He smiled and did it himself. They got in the car. She reached over to help him with his seatbelt like she did when he was just a boy. He smiled and did it himself. 
It will take us about an hour to get home, but I brought you some snacks. And there's a blue sports drink for you in there. And, and she couldn't say any more. She was crying too hard, but smiling at the same time. The press hadn't gotten wind of where they were yet. No one stood outside of the employee entrance except the lone protester who stood outside the gate. The protester stood in her raincoat and umbrella, clutching the same framed picture she took with her every time she publicly protested. That's her? Jeremy asked her. Wow, time has not been kind to her. Yes, that's her, Sherry said, the woman who has been stalking me for 20 years. Sherry couldn't hold it in any longer. She slowed down as she drove past the protester. She rolled down her window and she extended her middle finger. Well, well, well. I want to have Jeremy and Sherry over for dinner. I really like them. What I loved was that you folks cannot see, as uh, Amber was reading that, when she talked about the glass, both of us at the same time held our hand up. I don't know if you realized oh, did you I? did that. We both held our hand up, like holding it to the glass. Um, such rich detail for their journey, and I think very relatable, too. We can all picture what that must be like. And I love how you drew us into, what did Jeremy actually do? Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, he's got a scar, you said. And, oh, his ear's not quite right. And people are kind of mad. That kind of explores a lot of the things that we talked about earlier that you enjoy. You know, crime novels and all of those things. And, you know, the docudramas on TV. So fascinating read. Very well done. Thank you. Thank all right. You. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we close today? Well, just to anybody out there who, you know, I'm in my mid-40s and I'm getting ready to finish my first book so anybody who thinks it's too late to start writing it's not get out there and do it i love it i love it thank you so much for being with us today and thank you listeners for listening to another episode of wilmington rights thank you for joining us for wilmington rights we hope you enjoyed this episode if you'd like to be a guest on this podcast or know a Wilmington resident who should be, shoot us an email at lisa at wctv.org. That's L-I-S-A at wctv.org. And we'll reserve your spot in the guest writer's chair. Until next time, keep writing, keep reading, and keep listening.